Okay, hi, my name's David Joseph, and you're listening to uh, the Free Will Science and Religion podcast. I'm here today with George Ortega, Jamie Soden, and Trick Slattery. And today we're talking about parallel universes and how that relates to the idea of free will. And I believe that was Jamie's idea. So, Jamie, if you want to start us off and uh, explain it. Yeah, see, I was, get, I was getting to um, the part where someone on um, Sam Harris's uh, free will video on YouTube um, was saying multi, the multiverse um, and multiple possibilities uh, theory somehow proves free will. And I'm thinking, how does it? I mean, just because there might be, um, you know, parallel universes, each universe, you know, uh, similar to our own, uh, with each versions of us making different decisions, it doesn't mean we have free will. It just means that there are different versions of us with each causal history um, that led to them making those decisions. Right. Um, oh, go, go ahead, George. No, go ahead. Okay, so so the, this whole uh, multiverse thing, basically, or, or multiple universes, or, or in quantum physics, it's called uh, um, multiple, uh, uh, many worlds, many worlds interpretation of quantum physics. First, we don't know if that's the case. We uh, that it's it's kind of it's kind of one of those really speculative theories that that we that pretty are, pretty much has no evidence whatsoever for it. So so we can't. I mean. We can we can speculate on it and 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 see how it, how free will interplays with it, or the idea of not having free will interplays with it. Um, but it's really just speculation. We don't. We, there's no proof that there's a, a many worlds interpretation of quantum physics. Yeah. So we have to first address that. All right. So yeah, in order to explore it better, let's let's start with kind of like just basically describing it as I understand it. Uh, and there may be different versions of it. It's that, like, basically any time we have a choice of acting one way or another, there's actually an, an infinite number of ways that we could act or choose or whatever. And, like, every one of these infinite number of ways that we could act actually takes place in a different universe. Is, is, that, is that the many worlds? Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's yeah, that's what it is. It's uh, basically what what it is is all the possibilities, quote unquote, um, that we could do are in a super superposition state. So they're all in this superposition state, and then each of them basically what's called decoheres into um, their own separate universe that that's separate from all the other universes. <laughs> so so if uh, Jamie. Um, has a glass of water, but he could, but he could have had a glass of Coca-Cola. In another universe, he's having a glass of Coca-Cola as well. Standing on his head. <laughs> Sta- yeah, standing on his head. You know, it, it, it gets really absurd. I mean, you can say that he, in one universe, he shaved off his head. In another universe, he has a mohawk. I mean, it's it just it's it's absurd. But but um, yeah. So this is a a common um, interpretation of quantum theory that a lot of people side with probably people that are more into science fiction uh side with this because they just like the, the idea of it um the problem is it has a, it has a number of problems to it the first problem is um when when it, even if we say that there were these possibilities that that decohere into um 
other universes, it, the interpretation himself is a is a deterministic interpretation. It's not an indeterministic one. In other words, the um, superposition state has to decohere into the specific universe that it does. So, so it's it's equally as forced. Um, so each universe has to take place the way it does uh, through each iteration of um, lines of universes. <laughs> so, so, so each of these universes that happen are deterministic. They, they're equally as deterministic as our own universe that we're experiencing, basically. So, so, so it runs into this very same problem of um, determinism not being compatible with free will. Okay. Um, trick a couple of episodes. Would you just remind me of something? Because basically, like, all right, one thing is like it's kind of like hard to to refute, you know, these kinds of like um, arguments, many worlds and all. Because like I can't understand the reasoning how they get to a free will from them. I'm not, you know, I don't think, you know, um, and so like that's part of it. But um, what what we were trick? Would you said a couple of episodes ago? was that you were um, referring to some research, recent research, that, that showed that when a person has a certain position, the more you try to convince them out of it, the more entrenched they become in all. And the reason I, I, I just wanted to go over this briefly, I mean, it, it re- re- relates somewhat to this parallel many worlds thing, but it also relates to our efforts to, to get the world to understand that, that uh, free will is impossible, I just learned of a project by this, I think the, the, the website is called edX, E-D with a capital X, and the, um, the name of the course is Denial101X, and it's basically based on research applying this to climate change. They're finding like in climate change, the climate change deniers, they, um, the more, in other words, the more informed, the more educated a person is, on climate change, very paradoxically, the more um, likely they are to deny its um, its existence and all. So, so basically, you know, part of what ha- we have to do with the many worlds interpretations and with other kinds of defenses for w- for free will is we've got to understand that process, that process of how you know, like you know, explaining or or basically better said, how do we explain this this um, this impossibility of free will in a way that doesn't lead people to, to then, you know, just actually become more entrenched in their beliefs. But I, I just wanted to, like, mention this because, again, to the extent we can understand how they're applying this to climate change, because climate change is something so, so vastly important that I think people are, are getting the, the reason to really, you know, um, to explore this. If we can understand it from that perspective, we can bring it into to our project and, you know, like, help us... Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think in terms of the quantum interpretation of the many worlds interpretation for people postulating some kind of free will, what they tend to get hung up on is this idea of um, each of them being possible. So so each of these worlds having possibility, uh, but in reality, the whole the whole kind of idea of possibility is kind of false. It, 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 each possibility is just basically a split off. Um, it's not really a possibility for that person in that specific universe. So, so the whole idea that they're that they can, you know, choose Coca-Cola over Pepsi is really a mistake. Um, 
either they're in the universe where they choose Coca-Cola or they're in the universe where they choose uh, Pepsi. So, so, so it's, it's just a mistake in thinking that possibility means that they actually could have chosen otherwise, <laughs> which isn't the case for that, for that interpretation. So it's, it's basically just mis- mistaken thinking. Does that make sense? Yeah, oh, no, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so, like, and actually, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what the, the origin of this philosophy was. So, like, I think is it, is it to a certain extent that, like, if we have an infinite universe, and, you know, that's a possibility that the universe is infinite, it seems to transcend logic, but that people say that within an infinite universe, then the logical um, correlate to that must be that anything or everything is possible. Because it, infinity implies that. So is that the kind of like the foundation for the many worlds um, uh, hypothesis? I think it has to more, do more with uh, um, quantum states. Uh, the, the inf- I mean, infinity, basically, if, if you have a many worlds interpretation, you have an infinite number of possibilities. And I, I think uh, infin- infinity kind of is implied from the many worlds and not, not the other way around. Uh, if we were going to postulate an infinite universe, that's kind of a different thing. We were just talking more of a timeline thing where, where it's infinitely um, expanding or infinitely contracts back to uh, forever, basically. So, so that, that's a totally different, different thing altogether. You don't necessarily need a many worlds interpretation to have that kind of infinity, but a many worlds interpretation doesn't imply that you have an infinite number of um, possibilities that are happening. All right, again, so, so to refute it, basically whether we're, you know, whether we're going to, like, understand the reality based on, like, what Trick was explaining before, just the idea that, like, if we're making a decision, the decision is being made in this universe and not in a parallel universe, or even if we were to conjecture that, that our decision is actually, you know, being made somehow in a, in a parallel universe, either way, there's, there's no way from, from either construct that, that free will could be possible because, again, as, as Jamie was saying before, the, the causal chain... This cause of uh, this chain of cause and effect would apply to everything, to 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 any possible universe. Exactly, exactly, and and one one more thing that's really important because this um, many worlds interpretation is kind of uh, dangerous thinking. It it leads us to more of uh, like right now we have kind of deterministic thinking, which which is a good thing. We understand that our our causal um, consciousness leads to certain events if we have many worlds interpretation basically we have every possibility happening so so jamie let's say let's say jamie uh convinces convinced the guy that in the last uh episode that we're talking about over uh whatever he was trying to convince him of it would be kind of moot to do that because there'd be other universes where he doesn't convince the person anyway so so no matter what we do the worst case scenarios happens. The best case, case case scenarios happen. All the different scenarios happen. So so anything we do is kind of becomes a moot thing. We don't have free will, but it's more. It turns to more of a fatalism type of not having free will, which Good isn't point. is a is a kind of a poorer way of thinking about um, not having free will, in my opinion. Yeah, but what I'm trying, what people have been trying to say to this guy um, who was saying that you know multiple uh, possibilities. Uh, 
means free will and stuff, or, you know, similar arguments, is that that's problematic because every universe will have to have their own causal history to work. You know, it's just it's just fundamental understanding of nature, you know, cause and effect. Um, Correct. You know. Jamie, can you remember if he had actually um, a specific argument that he was, like, you know, basing his reasoning on? Because a lot of times people don't. A lot of times, like, with quantum mechanics. No, quantum mechanics, like, allows for free will, whatever. And they, they say that without actually, like, having an argument. In this case, the, does he present any logic, you know, why a parallel universe would, would somehow allow for free will? It doesn't seem like it. Look, I'll read out the specific comment from... Um, the comment was made by a YouTube user called Nifty Fingers. He says, the way I see it, free will mean, means multiple possibilities. No free will means one possibility. We live in a universe of multiple possibilities, not a universe of one possibility. Now, that's kind of problematic, don't you think? Well, that, that, that goes back to what I said about the, this word possibility being misunderstood in, in the context of the many worlds interpretation. And, that's, I, and I've seen this type of argument before and, and they're just not understanding that it's not really technically a possibility that, that the many world interpretation is a deterministic meaning entirely causal interpretation and there is no other option all those separate worlds have to happen the way they happen <laughs> so and, and they have to um, they have to occur in other words uh, if you have three different superposition states they each have to occur in their own specific universe that they decohere into. They one couldn't decohere into another one um, and be a possibility for that other one. It's it's an impossibility. That that's not the way it works. Uh, basically, what I'm trying to say to this guy, you know, um, it just doesn't work. Um, if there's other universes, right? Even if it were a multiverse, they'll all have their own um, timelines and not interacting with one another because um, we're not in that universe, so we can't have an impact on anything that happens in that universe. Right. They all have their own timelines, and yeah. they aren't possibilities for the other universes. So, yeah. so, so when we say that I'm thinking about doing X or Y, those pos only one of them is an actual possibility for the world that I exist in. So, yeah, there's only okay. one for every event, yeah. So are you right. saying like um, in one universe you'd be born white and in another one you'd be born black? Kind of. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know if uh, people would accept that as as a, as a possibility, but I guess I guess so. They could they could say that. Well, actually, I don't know. <laughs> that would be really weird. I mean, you'd have to have. Uh, All right, I've got an idea. So basically, like you know, what we're we're trying to like figure out like how to um how to kind of like convince this person that parallel, you know, many worlds does not lead to free will. And relative to what we were talking about before, that like some people, when you try to like give them information that counters their beliefs, they get more entrenched in their beliefs. Um, Jamie, what you, if, if you're currently involved in a, um, a dialogue with this guy, a strategy that may overcome this resistance may be like the Socratic method. 
you know, which, which, as you guys understand, is like basically teaching through asking questions. So in other words, like this guy says, well, you know, like the many worlds interpretation or the parallel universes like allow for the free will. So instead of you're saying, well, no, that's not the case because such and such and such in which the guy would go into a defensive mode and, you know, get entrenched more in his beliefs, then mm-hmm. you, you would simply ask him, well, you know, how does the, the parallel, you know, how do these parallel universes um, permit for free will? And let's say, say, so he says, well, because they allow for multiple possibilities and stuff. Then you come back, well, well, how do these multiple possibilities allow for free will? So in other words, like, you would take them down a, ch- a chain of where, where actually he's answering his own questions and not having to resort to the, to the entrenched denial of it. Yeah, you have to ex- um, get them to explain the mechanism. I mean, how does the multiple possibilities uh, idea work? I mean, exactly. You put the onus on him for for the um, for the explanation, and I think that's a that may be a more effective way to to get him to more quickly understand the um, you know, that the, there is no you know the, the the lack of reasoning in his argument. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a contradiction there. You know? Okay, so like, are there other aspects of parallel universes that um, that we need to address? Because it, it seems like it seems like it's relatively, um, you know, simple refutation in terms of free will. That you know, again, like, since the cause causality would apply to all universes. Yeah, I mean, in this universe, I mean, me, you, Trick Slattery, and David, right? We don't believe in free will. But there could be a parallel universe where we do believe in free will, and we could be Christians or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the I think the key is that 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 they're not really possibilities, or and if if we if they were possibilities, we can even pretend we can we can say that the uh, many worlds interpretation um, allows for for possibilities, uh, even though even though it doesn't in reality, like the many worlds interpretation is deterministic. We could pretend that. So superposition states, the, the three different options, choosing an apple, banana, or an orange, happen. And, and I know we don't agree with, you know, that a-causal events happen really, but, but we're going to just say that for this scenario that, it, that they a-causally happen, that, that either a banana, apple, or an orange uh, option will pop into your universe, whereas a uh, banana, apple option pop into the other universe and then the other option pops into the other universe a causally so so if we even if we postulate that it doesn't happen through a causal mechanism which is isn't the many worlds interpretation but it's just a different mechanism to postulate those aren't anything that we have control over so 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 it runs into the same problem of um, both causality and a causal events being incompatible with free will regardless if you have one or a million universes, or a billion universes, or a trillion universes. So, so that that's kind of the focus you have to you have to point to is, no matter what, it's either causally going to happen the different universes or acausally going to happen. And either way, there's no free will about it. All right, you know, like I think we've explored this. Let Let's segue. Um, I sent you guys an email. Um, few days ago with a link to this video. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but basically it's Neil deGrasse Tyson hosting a panel that included several neuroscientists that included uh, Bill Nye, the science guy. Yeah, okay? yeah I, I fast forwarded to the part where, where they're talking about free will. <laughs> oh man, it's only four minutes. And so here's the thing. So yeah, so the neuroscientist 
you know, is basically describing Lebet's and subsequent experiments, saying like, you know, 10 seconds before like a, um, a person makes his decision to press a button or whatever, the researchers have already predicted which button uh, the person is going to like select. And so basically she says like, so that essentially means free will is an illusion, right? Now, Bill Nye's answer was... Yeah, but, but the brain is making the decisions, so aren't we the brain? So anyway, the, the question I want to pose to you guys is like, how do people like Bill Nye and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson not get this? What, what do you think is their motivation? I didn't see that Neil deGrasse Tyson had an opinion on it in that, in that video, but I, maybe I missed that part. But I, but I did see that um, the other person did. Oh, and you may be right. You may be right, Trick. In other words, I guess maybe I, I would have expected more of, of a defense of the neuroscientist by, by Tyson, whatever, because you know, cause he was moderating. But, but you may yeah, be he, right. Yeah, he was moderating. I, I didn't really get the impression that he, he actually wanted the state opinion. But, but I have a feeling he probably would have taken the free will side if pushed. But, but um, as for – what's the other guy's name? I, I can't think of um, it. Bill Nye, the Bill science Nye, guy. Bill Nye, the science guy. That's right. As for Bill Nye, he had – what was the example he used regarding the car thing? Like the car and the, something about the trunk on the car? I couldn't – Oh. Do you remember uh, that? What is it? That we're driving the car or something? Or like I, I, I don't remember. Oh, oh that's it. Uh, so, he, so basically he, he, he had the example of you, you dropping your key in the car and then you having the feeling that you're going to close the – trunk of the car but you catch yourself before you do that <laughs> or, or oh. something like that so 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 basically he's he, his his idea of free will is, is totally intuitive he's, he's just he's just have has this intuitive feeling that that's free will for some reason I, 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 i'm not sure really why i remember now yeah and then like what he doesn't get like basically you're changing your mind you're becoming aware of something so how's that like you know like in other words like yeah. you think you're gonna oh god yeah oh. so basically the fact that you caught yourself in in mid change of changing your mind or something about something means that you have free will but he doesn't understand that that change happens through a causal mechanism it it it, it, it had to happen so i don't I, yeah so that's that's where i think he's confusing the the idea so all right but like and like are these guys um is is there you know cuz like again there's a lot of research called motivated reasoning that like most people, especially like with politics and stuff, they don't decide who to vote for and what to believe based on the evidence. They decide based on their pre- preconceived beliefs and, and needs, emotional needs. So are we saying that like with this guy Bill Nye, that he tends to be objective in science generally, but when it comes to something that's very dear to him, you know, all that objectivity just vanishes and, and he goes with his beliefs? Or, or are we to suspect that maybe he, um, he's very good at learning things, you know, remembering things and teaching things, but he's not very good at understanding the nature of things? I think it's probably the first. <laughs> I, th- I think he's probably, um, it's just something that he's, impartial on okay david what's your take david uh bill knight he was the guy that did the debate with um uh the religious ken, guy yeah, ken ham yeah. yeah yeah i think that was it on um uh, was it on evolution or something like that so, yeah evolution and cre- creationism and things like that so. yeah yeah so i think um what, when you're doing a uh, debate it's kind of like uh, more how how well you present yourself sometimes rather than kind of information you put out so i think there could be a certain amount of ego attached to that perhaps 
So and if, if you come from a, a, a standpoint that ego matters, then obviously free will is going to be something that uh, can kind of boost your own ego as well. So perhaps you know there's some motivation coming from from that. All right, David, are you saying that like um, that Bill Nye, you know, has gotten some fame, some publicity, some recognition for his work? You know, he, I, mean, I guess he's got a PhD. Um, and so basically you're saying that he he needs to kind of like take credit for that? Yeah, yeah, kind of like, yeah, yeah. Makes okay. himself feel better, you know, pats himself on the back and, you know, look at the hard work I've done. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And then the question becomes. There was a cause for a motive as well. Yeah. Yeah. Then the question becomes because this is like across the board, not just with with scientists that should know better, but also with politicians, business people. You know, there's a lot of people who have succeeded a lot in quote unquote mundane ways. That so the question becomes, how do we? What what arguments do we we um um present to them that because I think we have to like. You know, address this in terms of self-interest. What what can we present to them that will be more that they'll feel is more beneficial to them than they're taking credit than this egoistic perspective? I mean, is there a way to kind of like you know present to to them you know a a, a, a more beneficial perspective? That's a good question. <laughs> what do you think on that? Because I'm not, I'm not really sure what the best way to go about somebody that that um, kind of has a an egoist idea they're, they're kind of um, I guess it, egocentrism is already taking place within them so they, they combat the idea um, it's kind of like the whole uh, way people can not have cognitive dissonance over certain things they can kind of parse out uh, for example uh, that they're not harming their dog <clears throat> yet there's pigs being harmed for their food so they can, they can parse these I- ideas out not have cognitive dissonance over them, um, and, and it's kind of hard to to convince them otherwise. So, so I'm not sure of the best way to go about doing that. Yeah, I, I think there we may have um, we may have gone through this back in the mid 1800s with evolution. In other words, like um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of scientists, I think before evolution must have you know had. Uh, strong religious beliefs, you know, Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden and all, that to suggest to them that we, you know, evolved from, from lower primates and even lower organisms, you know, must have been assault on their self-identity, you know, similar to kind of like it's the, the, the inverse of, of like, you know, taking credit for the good people do. And I'm guessing, and I'm guessing that what made these scientists um, finally come around was that like, all right, Darwin, you know, was able to convince, let's say, the top scientists in his discipline in biology and, you know, and then like these top scientists would, would then proclaim this is the truth and, you know, it, it would get out in, in um, scientific journals as an established truth. And the more like the, the, the top people believed in it, the more peer pressure, you know, in other words, like, I think uh, ultimately the, the people who you know, who maybe didn't understand it, you know, prob- you know, just kind of like accepted it because it, be- it became an increasingly embarrassing position to continue to accept, you know, creationism, you know, as opposed to evolution. Yeah, and, and I think it, it's poss- possibly generational as well. Like, like at the time of Darwin, I think a lot of people 
were against the idea, um, even if they were scientists of the day. Uh, they, were, they were against the idea, but I think um, gener- the next generation that came about after it's, you know, it became popularized and everything accepted it. So, so, and, and so once the next generation comes around and it's just, it's just acceptable science at that point, there's less, um, less combating it, I guess, than, than there is when people already have the strong belief against it. So, so, so it might be the case that, that certain scientists today just won't get, they, they just won't accept it. <laughs> but, but, but the next generation of, of people, because we have so much information on it nowadays, and, and, and it's the information uh, on the lack of free will that's just building and building and building, the next generation will tend to get it more, I think. Yeah, okay, we've got about a minute left. So, Trick, yeah, that reminds me, some physicist once says, like, sign progresses, science progresses a funeral at a time. So as, yeah. as the old scientists die out, the new ones get it. Cool. <laughs> All right, so, David, you want to wrap this up? Uh, yeah, sure, can do. Right, uh, my name's David Joseph. You've been listening to Free Will Science and Religion podcast with George Ortega, Jamie Soden, and Trick Slattery.